Welcome to Consider This Question. This is the fifth in a series of six podcasts that are tracking alongside our Matthew series in chapter 19. The subject for this particular podcast is marriage. We hope you find it interesting and beneficial. Welcome to another podcast. Consider this question. Um, we have been doing this for a while now, and it's been really good to, uh, to hear some feedback and some uh, some of the responses that we've got. So we hope that uh, particularly this the series that we're doing right now um, on the issues that are say, a little more controversial that we've been walking through on Sunday morning as well. Um, the response has been really good, and uh, we just we just want to put out something that definitely is going to kind of challenge our thinking and, and make sure that we're being faithful to a very real way in which the gospel is interacting with the world. So today in the studio, I brought those who are the most interesting and interactive. The Steve Broadway is with us, worship arts pastor, and then uh, Paul Weiss kind of heads up our um, adult ministries team, and then uh, Ryan Vincent is uh, is once again in the studios with us. So uh, today we're going to be talking about marriage, and um, basically I want to begin by asking this particular question. So we talk a lot about the value of marriage and why marriage matters so much. Um, uh, you know, Brian, I'll begin with you. Um, can you support that idea that marriage matters so much and it is so valuable? Can you support that biblically? Uh, I think I can. Um, I, I once heard a... Um He's more of a scientist than a theologian, but he's a, a Christian scientist who who goes around speaking uh, on the truthfulness of the Genesis account. And what struck me so much is um, he made the assertion that if Genesis 1 and 2, that is the creation narratives, if we cannot trust those, the rest of the Bible is useless. Um, basically saying that that lays the foundation for all truth, that there is an eternally existing God and he, and he created everything else. That is, we need that truth to be true for anything else to be relevant. And as it regards marriage, you have the first union of man with woman right there, and you have the beginning of the, of the human race, and you have, I believe, set in motion a series of covenants where God formally joins two together in marriage and where as he continues to cut covenants with human with humanity with israel with the church um, from that point forward the the covenants are so often described in in using the language of marriage and so if uh, if we're to live as faithful believers i just it, it strikes me that faithfulness commitment these are christian virtues and they're always described using marital terms. And then if you run all the way to the end of the Bible, Jesus, like the last book of the Bible, Revelation, is Jesus's obsession with his bride and the vindication of all things and the restoration of all things. And um, the take off just the marriage of men, human beings, men and women married together. The Bible, outside of that, speaks about marriage almost ad nauseum uh, as it connects God and, and human faithfulness. So, if the question is, do we speak about it too much? I don't know, maybe. Um, but the Bible sure seems to speak about it a lot, and therefore I think that it's it's imperative that we do as well. Good, Paul. What would you add? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it starts. The Bible starts with and ends with weddings, and so <laughs> yeah, um, you know, it's hard to bypass mm -hmm. the picture. And I love the connectedness. I mean, it gives us these incredible word pictures in our minds. 
in Scripture mm-hmm. uh, of, of the church and then the marriage process between a man and a woman, and then he connects it to the church. Uh, so, I, you know, it's, it starts as God's idea. And so it's God's idea. Maybe we ought to listen closely <laughs> to that. I think where we lose our bearings in our world is that there are a lot of views that have come alongside God's. And so we have just tended to move towards what man's idea is about marriage than what God's is. And so uh, obviously we can go to several texts in Scripture where he talks about wedding. And he gives kind of some instruction for those and, and, and how a man and woman should be and how should, they should love one another and submit to one another and um, the picture with the church. And so obviously uh, in the number of those contexts, it seems that marriage is an important thing. Big it is deal. it's assumed thing. He's not trying to defend something as if he's got to be apologetic about yeah. it. It is yeah. something that's always been, and so therefore, uh, I think it's interesting in our world. We live in a world today where everything's questioned. Um, but if we start with the authority of Scripture and the authority of God in His process of that, it's His idea. It started from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we need to mess with that basis. <laughs> yeah, and, and Adam's commissioning is to fill the earth with image bearers of God, and the the natural God-ordained means of doing that is with husbands and wives right. making children. Yeah. It's it's kind of it's the arc of the biblical story is filling the world with image bearers of God. I don't know how else you do that outside of marriage. There are broken ways to do that, but marriage right. is the God-ordained way of doing it. The natural, that. normal way. Mm-hmm. Steve, anything you'd add to that? Well, I shouldn't be surprised that Ryan and Paul stole almost all my thunder because they're really <laughs> smart guys about the Bible, <laughs> but maybe one or two thoughts. Yeah. Uh, one, and this this is sort of is uh, underlying what both of them said, it's just portrayed as normative in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. It is assumed, as Paul said, uh, it's implicit in the way biblical characters are described. It's never called into question as, as that it should be any other way. Mm. And so clearly it is something that God made, and therefore if we're, if we're true believers in God and, and his character, the way the Bible portrays it, then it is good by definition because he created it. Um, you know, this, this is maybe a little extra biblical, but I've been reading a book by Keller on the meaning of marriage. He cites statistics from studies that contrast people who are married with those who are, are not mm. in terms of their contentment, their economic output, their maturity— and in, in every way, marriage is something which does benefit those that are involved in it, that stay faithful to it. So it would seem that God has, has certainly there's all the theological truths about covenant and the picture of Christ in the church and all of those things which are true. But there's also there's just this practical working out that if God made it good, and if you order your life and your marriage according to the way he has told us that we should order it, then he is going to create blessings that will come from doing it. Uh, you know, blessings will flow from it of all kinds. It, it, it ripples into the community. You know, I haven't presided over a lot of marriages, but the ones that I have, I, I make sure and tell this couple, this marriage isn't just for you. It's yeah. not some private thing. It's for the community. It's for the benefit of those around you. And if you have a strong marriage, you become a pillar of strength that others can look to and draw strength from. And, and, and because there's so much brokenness in the world, a strong marriage really becomes a center of gravity that is attractive to people. That, that want to be part of your life and part of your family because you you have joy and you have you know you know how to struggle through things that are difficult it's not it's not all nirvana it's not perfection it's hard it's hard work but it is a good it is a very good thing that God has made okay um, so there are things that are obviously um, undercutting what we're doing in marriage um, and so kind of you know Paul I'm going to actually begin with you so what are what are some of those things that are happening societally socially? 
um, that are um, undoing or undercutting um, sure. what, what, what the Bible teaches about marriage? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the same list that is the answer to a lot of the questions of what's wrong with our world. You know, it starts with, I probably the big one, the underlying foundation is, is just this idea of uh, our selfishness. I think that, and everything else flows from that, right? I mean, we're a selfish people. Um, obviously, we could argue easily that sin is in the world because we were selfish. We chose something for ourselves other than God. And so when we become self-centered versus God-centered, then all of our struggles come from that. And so there's easy ones to identify in that. You know, I think of busyness in a world where we like to have everything, and so we're going to work longer. Yep. Uh, we're going to we're, we're thinking that maybe our marriage is about our family, and so we're going to do everything we can for our kids to succeed, and so that's keeping them busy, and then we in turn become busy, and we're on the road. We pull into a drive-through and get our food every night, and go and sit, and I'm on the phone doing work, watching our kids at practice. And that's our process, and we lay down in a bed exhausted, ready for another day. So I, I see those. I mean, there's others. Obviously, the things that finger off of that pornography is an issue. It's, it's yeah. not just a, a, um, a symptom as much as it is an issue now. It is becoming a diehard, uh, economy-driven uh, business that is prevalent for most of our men and even women in, in our world. And so obviously that causes a struggle when, when you have your, I, your thinking and your identity and everything that you want going into a marriage uh, and it's not working the way that you want, you will, will draw some other ways. Media obviously paces to that. I, I think of the expectations we bring to the table, you know, that we yeah. have yeah. seriously amped expectations. Um, I mean, I, any kind of media movie that's talking about this or um, uh, just even if we ask ourselves honestly about uh, what do we want in a wife, uh, I didn't. I didn't, you know, it, my three top things, beauty had to be one. My, my opinion of how they looked, you know, was a big deal. And even though I would say things like, oh, it really didn't matter how cute they are, yes, it did, right? Uh, it, it, you know, there's some things in my mind that tell me that that's not beauty. And so I bring those expectations that are overamped. Uh -huh. And I think our world has done that. We, we think that we need to marry this sorority beautiful gal um, that has everything going for her. Uh, and yet uh, sometimes we settle for some very outwardly visual things and, and never get to know the person uh, who God has created and, and then ask them what they, what, how they live in that. And then how I can compete with them, how oh, competes, not the right word, but be compatible with them. I, I think of that. I, I think of the issues of, um, connected to someone more than their spouse is a problem in marriage. You know, maybe a friend. I, I think sometimes we say, well, it's somebody at work because yeah. that's what we like to fall to, but sometimes it's their mom yeah. or their sister or brother who they're, they're closer to. Um, and, and so again, maybe family's the bigger thing, but maybe it's their, their, their only child or their oldest daughter or whatever. I mean, there's, there's a lot of that that I see is, is a, a detriment to a marriage because we come in and we have settled that marriage is really not, I need marriage and, and so we add all these ands. And yet I think in a lot of ways, marriage is God's plan. And in that plan, he find, we find fulfillment and yep. we find our identity that God has given us. And it's through this, the sanctity of marriage and, and we choose other things. Yeah. No. Ryan, um, what's, what's, uh, what's undoing what yeah. God is doing? Uh, in the sermon, I mentioned two, um, two issues that 
that are, I think, single struggle through as they consider marriage, and that being um, both a fear of marriage and an overly romanticized view of it. Um, and I think they have a lot to do with one another, but I think that a lot of people are scared of, of, of marriage because they don't believe that good marriages exist. We've overplayed this idea. I mean, if you look at every divorce statistic, the number's higher every other day. I don't know how the number keeps getting inflated. Um, but I, I think that people just, well, I look at these marriages and they're just not good and I don't want that. So marriage is a terrifying prospect for them. It's a terrifying prospect for, for many because they have a picture and uh, of sexual boredom. So they say like, I don't, I don't know if I can limit myself to one person. I don't know, like, what do I do when they stop fulfilling me and, and my happiness, which bleeds into the, the romanticized version of of marriage and I need someone who um, I'm madly in love with and who I'll, I'll never struggle to love, who's easy to love. I need someone who will accept me on all my own terms and not force me to change. Um, I need someone who's going to satisfy my desires and make me happy and so we, ha- we, build a, we build up this standard for a potential spouse that is really um, unreachable in many ways. And so because we've built up this overly romanticized version of someone that we need in order to be married, um, we become fearful, and, but we don't want to be alone, so you have the relatively modern problem of cohabitation. Uh, I don't want to be alone, but I don't want to be committed. And I think a lot of those feelings creep into marriages. I think, wow, uh, you know, I've been, so Rachel and I have been married for almost 10 years. Like, how easy would it be for me to start looking at all of the the nuts and bolts of marriage and start saying, well, that doesn't really make me happy. I don't feel self-actualized. I'm not as fulfilled as I would like to be. Um, And I've had to change too much for my wife. It's amazing when I look at Rachel and and realize how, like I I often brag about her being such a, a strong, independent woman. And I've always thought that that was a, a beautiful thing about her. And I truly, I, I still do. But what I realized is that the reason I appreciated it is because she didn't require me to change that much. She doesn't need me. <laughs> that's why I like so it. It comes I like back it. to you again. Yeah. It, I like it because I'm selfish. That's why I like it. And I'm learning to like it for better reasons. Um, but I, I, Rachel is so independent. I don't have to be home for dinner to make her happy. <laughs> You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and, and I think that marriage is like Lucky. whenever we start. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I really do think that this is um, if we if we look at what's damaging um, either the singles who are aspiring to marriage or those who are already married. I, I, I bet I could trace almost all of it, as Paul said, mm. back to a deep underlying selfishness. Yep. Steve, anything you want to add? What's un, what do you what do you see undoing it? I think the the sexual exploitation of our populace, right? Uh, um, pornography is certainly a specific mm-hmm. aspect of that, and the proliferation of electronic media makes it far more accessible than it used to be. But I also know uh, women who were date-raped and sexually exploited and objectified, and those experiences can define them in very damaging and negative ways. They don't have to but they can. Uh, and when you couple that and build it on this foundation of the myth of independence and individual identity, then, dude, you are just, you're asking for a mess 
when it comes to our expectations about sex and the self-actualization Ryan referred to. It is we are just puffed up with pride in the face of God because we think we're the center of the universe. Yeah. And it works against the idea of submission as the primary value in the Christian life. So when I look around at the brokenness that I'm dealing with as a minister, I think a couple of things. One is, like, when is, when is exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit ever wrong or, or, or damaging or harmful, right? right. And so in these, in these toxic situations where people are going sideways in their relationship, they long ago gave up pursuing submission to Christ and understanding that if I pursue love and joy and peace and the, you know the whole list, right, yep, yep. that I'm going to be winsome and I'm not going to cause someone to bow up and get defensive and fight and then get tired of the relationship and whatever, you know, all the way those things spin out of control. So it, I mean, it comes down to transcendent truth, which gets implemented today in the 21st century Western America. You see it manifesting in particular ways because of technology and culture, but, but it's, it still always gets back to these foundational Christian issues of, of obedience and submission and identity. And that's going to be true for all times and all cultures. It just looks different because uh, of our particular time, place, and, and circumstance. Uh, there's also, uh, normally when we talk about syncretism around, around here anyway, it's like this, this idea that we're, I'm a Republican, you know, flag-waving Christian, and all those things are kind of set at the same level— and so we would look at it and go, well, being a citizen of heaven, you know, love your country, sure. It's just like, you know, love, love your family, but love God a lot more. You know, yeah. when Jesus said, if you don't hate others for my, for my sake, what he's really saying is not husbands hate your wives. He's saying because the Bible actually says the opposite. Yeah. But you, you need to put me so much above everything else that you're not in danger of idolatry. Uh, and so, so if, if uh, you know, at the ripe old age of 59, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing the value of submission more than ever, <laughs> submitting my life to the text and to God's people and to the Spirit, like puts me in a place of of great peace and great comfort and great reconciliation to those around me. I can I can speak wisdom gently and far more directly and and much more piercingly to others when I'm truly submitted and humbled before God because He can use you so much more powerfully in that way. So there's all of that, but there's the syncretism of the of of family like worship of children, yeah. worship of marriage, yeah. where that is set. Yeah. like, you know, focus on the family. And I'm sure they've done a lot of great things, so please don't give them, send me cards and letters if you love James Dobson. That's awesome. But you, you, you really, you can't, and many of us do, in, in this fellowship, right, from a practical perspective. If sure. We might know the right answer. We might say, sure. oh, no, we don't worship our kids. But, yeah. oh, yeah, you do. If you, if you walked around and videotaped your whole life and then played it back, and looked at the evidence of what you're doing and how you're making decisions, you are engaging in idolatry. And a lot of times, children are put above the marriage, right? That gets upside yeah. down. Yep. And then that's all put above submission to Christ. And so when you, when you forget about that, everything just can spin out of control. Because ultimately, it is about me. It is this selfishness that, and pride that they're just going to come in and wreck everything. Well, it's interesting. We have, you know, a whole different attitude towards marriage. Um, I forget where I heard this, but somebody was making the comment that uh, they were thinking about getting a tattoo of their fiance on them, mm -hmm. and then they thought, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, wait a second here. Tattoos are permanent." <laughs> and I just, when I heard that, I just kind of thought, "Are you kidding me?" I mean, yeah. tattoos are permanent, but marriage is not. But that's, I mean, truly, once that attitude kind of gets in. Hey, it's not the worst thing in the world. You can always get a divorce. Like it's not the worst thing in the world. Mm. And so, without making divorce hell, which it's not, um, it definitely uh, marriage is definitely more than just uh, kind of a temporary approach. 
to right. your dating life. I mean, there's, there's got to be so much more. And I really think that the, uh, the, the absolute fascination with our individual pursuit of life and joy and happiness and those things is totally undermined what the kind of the bigger picture is. And There's a commercial that runs typically on CNBC, the investing cable channel, where a guy proposes marriage and she goes, well, yes, I expect three to five years of a good return on this. And then, and then, you know, and gold is a great commodity and it's like, you're ready for trade station, you know, and it's this whole speech <laughs> she's giving about how temporary the whole thing is. Yeah. And I'm going to do it while it's good for me. Yeah. <laughs> so, They've yeah. done their market research, I guess. That's where they, that's where you miss it. Well, it's yeah. it's that obsession with the what do I get or marriage as a it's goal. Exactly what that. it's a it's a commodity. What 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 do I get in this transaction? Yep. That obsession leads us to be hypersensitive to the flaws of either our fiance mm -hmm. or our spouse, and and with hypersensitivity comes a a critical nature that. Mm -hmm. I, I I would never prescribe not calling out someone on sin, but when it's simply a matter of preference and something that's not sinful but I don't necessarily like is right. obstructing my direct path to happiness, well then watch me tank this relationship real quick well, because I'm not getting my way. Paul talked about <laughs> expectations, you know, entering marriage without correct expectations. And I still remember the first time I read the statement, what if marriage was meant to make you holy instead of happy and that right. just totally rocked my understanding of what it could even possibly be that sacred marriage if yeah. anybody wants to buy the yes. book exactly. good book by gary thomas yeah it's a great book okay well uh, i got one last question i want to kind of begin over here again and kind of work us uh work, work around the table um so is it possible then for us to emphasize marriage too much i mean steve you just talked about kind of the idolatry, but then you talked about the idolatry of children over marriage, and you've talked about it. So marriage sounds like a really big deal to you guys. So then um, we can't overemphasize it, right? I mean, it's it's one of those things that is so foundational. Like, it's, it's really even more foundational than family. It is the foundation of the family, and mm -hmm. we are the bride of Christ. And so, wow, that's pretty foundational. So then can we not overemphasize it? What would you, what would you say to that, Ryan? I think you can overemphasize it if you put it as the object that the gospel serves rather than the other way around. Sure. And and I do I, I spend a, a little bit of time on this in the message, but it marriage was given I mean Paul talks in Ephesians five that marriage is a picture of the mystery of Christ and his church, the union of Christ and his church. So if anything, marriage is a an image of something of far greater importance and far greater reality, and that is the beauty of Jesus and his bride. And so I think a lot of times we can use the gospel or the church or ministries as tools to just put patchwork on my marriage. Like my marriage is still the goal here, yeah. rather than the other way around. I think that the marriage context is for those of you who are married it is the the primary means of evangelism the primary way in which you and your spouse can demonstrate the truth and the beauty of the gospel what it means to live self-sacrificially what it means to follow something over and against your own interests i think that happens best in the context of marriage for those of you who are married so in that sense we can talk about it too much if we elevate it above the gospel sure. um another area where we could talk about it too much is we can be very insensitive to those who aren't married, hmm. who who live, in, especially in the church, in a marriage-saturated culture yeah. that can um, be insensitive to their desire to be married or to 
um, to those even that are divorced and, and the struggles that so let's not just assume because Steve and Patty have a great marriage that everyone um, can kind of hear that with the same ears we have to be wise and, and recognize who it is we're talking to okay Paul anything else I mean uh, on the yeah. over emphasization yeah I mean I think when it's you know it's it's everything that can put itself in place of who God is and his stand in our lives. Uh, so obviously everything is on the table with that. <laughs> yeah. And I think one of the ones that's it's so subtle, marriage is subtle because it's such a good thing. It's from God. Yep. Right. And so if it's from God, then it should be pretty important. And then it's, it's really um, defying to see it. I think that marriage has moved on. I, I can't help but think of, as we talk about marriage, I think of marriages of, of, couples that I look up to and marriages that I thought, man, you know, they're, they're easy to distinguish some, some real difficult things going on. Uh, I think of marriages that were on the rocks and then they were strengthened and then they left the church. <laughs> and and yeah. I'm thinking, yep. now how's that the kind of marriage? Something's wrong with that picture. You know, and it, and it comes back to this idea like, well, we're now on the same page. So therefore, yeah. and the th- same page without like a submission to Christ is not the right page we're in the wrong book actually and so i mean i mean it's, it's that kind of thing and and you know i, I um, you know it's just uh, it's of course everything is on the table for something that can be made uh, a god thing instead of the almighty god um I, I love the idea i mean coming back maybe to the little last question in answering this question in the idea that um man it is people just give up too quickly yeah i mean we're a throwaway society and so it's like what we talked about if it it doesn't if it's not working that's okay because there are a number of and and i am not trying to be insensitive to those who are divorced there's there's a lot of reasons uh, and and the bible even gives us valid reasons for divorce so i'm not even arguing that i I just think that a lot of times when 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 it hits the the fan we're like ah I'm done. I, there's, you just can't help this. And I just need to surround myself with people who agree with me again. And then I can justify not being in marriage. And so, I mean, that kind of flows into that. But I think all of that is to say that um, when marriage becomes your opinions and I can get enough people to agree with my opinions about marriage, then and we never open the scriptures or we take scriptures to fit how we're viewing something and we're not truly asking God to lead in this, then we're in a dangerous place. And so therefore, marriage becomes a just like everything, your kids, sports, um, your, you know, your, your boat, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, it's all up for grabs. Yeah, that's good. Steve, anything else? Well, the answer is yes. I think, I think we can overemphasize it. It's more important to teach it correctly than to how much you teach it. But the thing that hit me was it's not a transcendent eternal reality. You know, you know, Christ is eternal and you transcendent. Know, and this is the part that scares me is my wife it gets really excited when she hears that. I'm not kidding. I'm not like, interestingly enough, I mean, I'm, it, we can no kinda, marriage in heaven. Is yeah, that we can kind of laugh about that. And, and we have a great marriage. But my wife kind of laughs at that idea. Like it doesn't bring sorrow to her. She's not like, I can't believe I'm not going to be married to you forever. I just want to. I mean, she's literally she sees me for who I am. Um, she sees the real me and she's grateful. I think, I think she would say this. I'm very grateful for Jim and for his part of my life, but my relationship with Jesus is like so much bigger than that. And so when she 
because my wife's not known to to joke around. Um, so <laughs> yeah, she's pain, yeah, she's like painfully, she's a lot like Pat. It appears painfully. you've been compensating. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's why I'm twice as funny. Um, but truly, when I when I when I look at her and she describes it, I mean, I, I think it's it, it goes back to that. It, it's not it's not eternal. It's not it doesn't go on forever and ever and ever and ever. But the amazing thing is our our relationships once we're fully redeemed and sin less will be more intimate than the current marriage relationships that we have. They'll be, yeah. they'll be absolutely pure. So yeah. l- no lust, no jealousy, no, uh, no envy, envy, pride. You know, pride you know, none <laughs> of that. That's all co- totally removed. As, an, as, an, I, as I try to re- think about relationships in heaven, ultimately I hit the wall because my sin begins to rise up oh, and yes. some of those things start to happen in my mind. I can't even really imagine it, but I do know it's like a kid imagining they know something about sex thinking it's like candy, right? So like like our relationships once redeemed and we're all see him and we're fully like him are going to be it's going to be so beyond anything we've experienced that it'll be fabulous. But mm-hmm. but marriage is not is not a transcendent or eternal reality, so I think that's just a good thing to remember. Mm-hmm. You know, it's also uh, one of the I guess one of the pieces that I I try to keep coming back to uh, to kind of help keep in its proper place, like you all have said, right, Paul? You talked about the, the analogies and the metaphors, and Ryan's looking at the Genesis one and two, and Steve's looking at the overarching idea that uh, that truly marriage has a practical function that you just can't deny. God made the world this way. This is the way it seems to be playing out. I think I think one of the major struggles where we have overemphasized it is the way that we believe, like I will die if I'm not happy in my marriage. Like if my marriage isn't as fulfilling as it's supposed to be, like I, I, I can't go on. I just I can't go on. And it actually leads to divorce by making it too much. That's true. Going back to the uh, the overemphasis that you, you, you talked about, Ryan. Um, and I think that's really where it comes from. You can't overemphasize it too much. If you're getting everything, if all of your relational um, uh, energy is being spent on one person, I mean, chances are you're cl- close to killing them in the process. But in the end, I mean, I, I just I don't think you could have like a good prayer life. Hmm. I couldn't. I could not have a good prayer life and want to talk to Andrea more than Jesus. Right. I, I couldn't have. I mean, all, all those things begin to break down. And so that's truly where we can. We can emphasize it too much by expecting too much from it, which is one of the points that Ryan um, so, so, so are beautifully articulated on hmm. Sunday. Um, Okay, well, I mean, I'm kind of near the end. I'm sure we'll be able to come back and talk about this. You guys gave us some good pieces. Anything else that you want to just uh, blurt out? Hmm. Okay, well, uh, there you go. Moment of silence, actually, for our marriages. <laughs> There's a joke um, there, right? The revelation. There's <laughs> bound to be. Okay, I'm not going there. I'll, I'll tell you, Here, here's one of the big pieces that I want you guys to just uh, even to think about is that um, – you know, on this topic and then next week on the issue of divorce, um, you're not going through this alone. Hmm. So share your joys, share your struggles. Uh, you're not going through this alone. Like get help um, or find someone that needs help. If you're figuring this out and doing well, then recognize that God wants you to share that. If you are like literally back against the wall looking for your next breath then then realize there are some people around that would love to you know after putting on their own oxygen mask will be glad to assist you with yours so mm-hmm. don't forget that um we love you guys thanks for listening and uh, we'll connect with you at the uh, next podcast <laughs>